Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. Welcome back to the God Center Men's Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Tim Holloway, and I'm glad to be back at you again. Hey, uh, this is a podcast for Christian men inside of recovery to live an awesome spirit-filled life. Uh, if that is you, then welcome. Uh, this is a Christ-centered uh, recovery men's uh, program uh, that we have meetings three times a week, and um, and it's, it's an awesome way to uh, connect. It's an awesome way for accountability. It's an awesome uh, thing for recovery. Uh, so if you haven't uh, clicked on the link in the description, I encourage you to do so. So today I'm going to talk to you about a topic that is amazing and um, it has to do with Zacchaeus and the story of his salvation. Uh, but it's a powerful example uh, inside of recovery, and it's going to have some awesome spiritual implications uh, for us. You know, when we read the Bible, I think it's very important to grasp what the Bible says. And the Bible says, um, you know, a story, a scenario, uh, it pretty much is what it is. Um, as far as the you know interpretation, um, it's pretty much uh, for the most part to be considered literal, uh, unless otherwise given the implication that it's not. And so that being said, their application is far different though, and that's what's strange about the Bible that uh, the way that it speaks to people is that there is a um, there is a translation and there is an interpretation, but then also there is a great uh, vastness of, of, of application inside of it. And so I can read one thing and it can be uh, applicable to me in a certain area and it could talk to me about my finances. You can read it one way and it can be applicable to you in your health. So I think it's important not to limit uh, the things that we read uh, because their applications are very uh, vast. And so our last conversation was about the, the rich young ruler. Now, you not you might not be rich, you, not, you might not be young, and you might not be a ruler. Uh, but as you begin to think about the application of what is being said, um, then you begin to uh, get um, sort of nuggets and truths that are going to begin to affect your life in a powerful fashion. So there's no coincidence that the story of uh, Zacchaeus is after the rich young ruler, okay? So both of these were uh, very rich men, and in comparison, you, you're going to kind of see the two lives. Now, we talked about the rich young ruler who went away uh, disappointed. He went away angry or he went away sad because he had much possessions. And the the challenge of his allegiance to Christ um that he wasn't willing to lay those things down. He wasn't willing to pursue wholeheartedly, right? And so we have that example of that rich man, and then now we're going into another rich man who had a very different response. Now, here's the reality of things, that the message of Christ comes to all, uh, that he has died for all men and that he would and be willing that all men would repent. But the reality is, is that that is not the case. That is not going to happen, right? But his message goes to all. And so we have one rich man who decided to reject the message and saying, you know what, uh, that's not for me. It requires too much. I'm going to do something else. And then we have another man here called uh, Zacchaeus that who did the, the opposite. And we're going to jump into his story. 
at uh, Luke 19, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief uh, tax collector and he was really wealthy. Uh, basically, he was dirt rich, right? Not dirt poor, dirt rich. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being short, he could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a, a sycamore tree to see him. And Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Um, and then, you know, Jesus goes to his house and he's having, uh, uh, he's connecting and this, that, and the other thing. And um, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have uh, cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. And Jesus gives this response that uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is also a son of Abraham. And then lastly, for the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so we're going to dive into these powerful realities, but we're going to talk about how is it uh, relatable to recovery? So first and number one, foremost, it says that Zacchaeus sought Jesus. Now he had word that he was coming or he's seen, uh, he's seen and he heard about him and he knew his travel plans. He knew his path. Uh, maybe he looked and he seen, uh, the throngs of people and the commotion and this, that, and the other thing. But the reality is, is that he, um, he wanted to see Jesus. He was seeking, uh, Jesus. And so here we have number one example of, uh, you know, inside of recovery and along this path, that there comes a change in our hearts, right? And we begin to desire different things. And, and you know, God begins to speak to us in multiple different ways, uh, mostly through the school of hard knocks. Uh, us uh, as addicts seem to be educated in that fashion. Uh, we seem to uh, take the difficult path and must have our, you know, heads knocked in a little bit. But at any rate, you know, for a, a, a period of time and a period of scenarios that begin to take place in our life, God begins to speak to us. And all of a sudden, a change begins to happen where we begin to seek Jesus. And that is we we go out and search for um, uh, truth. Um, we go out and search for the spiritual life. Now, here's the reality of things that when we're deep in, you know, our problems, we're deep in, in, into sin, that we really don't go in uh, search and pursue righteousness. But something happens, you know, when we get a connection, when we begin a relationship, that... Um, that desires begin to change and then we begin to seek after um, something that is that is powerful that is going to produce change. So now whether Zacchaeus, you know, um, I'm not sure the reason why he was seeking him. It doesn't really imply that, but we see the end of the story and then we understand that seeking, going in search for a spiritual life uh, is really, really important. Now, this connects to the idea of having a desire, and that is a strong desire for something that uh, that is uh, removed from you, that you have to make um, some sort of effort to seek out and to pursue to uh, begin to make that happen. Now, think about this for a moment, that if you had a uh, hunger pain, right? If you had a craving, 
Let's just say you had a, a, a craving for your favorite snack, right? And, uh, you know, I really love, uh, I love uh, cauliflower, I love uh, green beans, I love, you know, different things. And so if I had a craving, if I had my appetite and I had a desire for that, you know, I can, um, I could just sit with that desire, right? Or I could begin to take the action steps necessary to begin to make that desire a reality. And that is really the difference and the misconception of faith. We think that faith is visualizing the the can of green beans, right? We think that, uh, and I'm saying that because we just recently canned like 40 of them and we're canning a bunch more, but um, visualizing whatever it is that you want and then somehow that it's going to become a reality. And that's just not the case. Uh, with Zacchaeus here, we see there is obstacles inside of the path. There is things inside of the way. And no matter how uh, he had a mental uh, picture of connecting and seeking Jesus, it was not going to become a reality until he, he put certain steps behind that desire to begin to flesh it out for it to become a reality. Now I could I can uh, wish I had a pizza. I could think about a pizza. I could uh, visualize how that pizza would be wonderfully tasting inside of my mouth, right? And I could hope and expect for a pizza to magically appear on my door, right? Or I can uh, see that I have a desire for something. And that um, there are certain action steps that I could begin to produce to make that desire become a reality. Here's what we have in, inside of uh, believers, that they have all these uh, desires, right? But the desires, they, they put on the responsibility and they put that on God. And they say, you know what, if, if I'm going to metaphorically eat this pizza, it's going to be because of uh, a divine service of a genie is going to magically uh, drop it in my lap. And unfortunately, that's not the way that, that God works. And, and it goes even so far in this reality is that God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And what that means is that there's a, we have to plant the seed right? We have to uh, come forth. We have to make the effort. We have to seek. We have to desire. And that sets out a chase and a pursuit of those things. Um, now, this is the way godly desires work. And this is also the way lustful desires work. But it all begins with a idea, a thought, a desire, and a seeking and a set out and pursuing and have a strong desire for something um, that you might uh, hold it as your possession, that you might re uh, require it, and uh, that you might uh, begin to utilize the reality of it. You see, everything that, that uh, Zacchaeus shows here is that it, it is an endeavor, if he was going to, uh, um, you know, have this experience with Jesus, it was going to require uh, him to do his part, and that is that he was going to have to put forth a little, a little effort. Now, in religious circles, people call that works, like somehow we are going to work our way into heaven, or somehow, somehow our righteousness uh, deserves or qualifies us to be in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about none of that. And that's where people go in this conversation. What I'm talking about is you demonstrating that you have real faith by your action steps. You see, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Uh, 
And so we got to understand that there is there is an endeavor, there is a a uh, something that is required for us to do. Now, the reason why we don't experience the reality of certain things is because we're not willing to do what is required. And that is, if we want a powerful relationship with God, there are certain conditions uh, that uh, that need to be met. Now we think that, oh no, 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 salvation is free, and all these things. And I get that. I'm not. This is not that conversation because I'm 100 with uh, with Christ alone through faith alone, you know, and all that stuff. So what I'm saying here is that if you want a powerful relationship. There's going to have to be communication. There's going to have to be making deposits. There's going to have to be effort involved in what, what the mindset of believers is, is that there, there's no effort. There's no requirement of me. I'm just entitled to all these things, and, and uh, there's going to be no serious effort on my part. And there's going to be obstacles that come my way, and it's not going to be required for me to do anything about them. And so we have to understand with Zacchaeus, in our recovery— there are going to be obstacles and challenges in the way of getting what we want, getting the desire of our heart. In this case, this was communication with Jesus and uh, um, in that reality, experience the reality of that. But understanding that there, there are going to be obstacles and that we have to utilize a mindset that begins to think differently. And he was a short man, right? He was a short man, and he wasn't able to um, to get through the crowds. Big problem, big, big challenge. And you are faced with those challenges, you know, sometimes in a daily fashion, or sometimes in weekly, sometimes in monthly. It depends on where you're at in your journey. But if you're just starting out this recover, path of recovery, you, you might fa- be faced with these kind of obstacles every single day. And it's a decision, you know what, am I going to climb a tree? Am I, am I going to take no for an answer? There has not been a, an easy path for me. So am I going to uh, get creative? Am I going to create a different path and a different way uh, for this to, to begin to take place? And I think that is highly, highly relevant. So he's up in the tree, right? Yeah, I can't get through these people. So I'm going to climb this tree and uh, Jesus sees them. And he says, you know what? Uh, Come down to Zacchaeus. I'm going to buy at your house. Now, symbolically, of course, you know, I read a lot of things into this, you know, in the text, it's just, Hey, come down. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay with you. But when we think of the the spiritual implications uh, of this, of beginning a relationship with God, and that's really what takes place. As a, he's like, hey, Tim, come down. I'm going to your house. And what we understand is that we are the temple of the living God and that he has decided to dwell and remain inside of us. And so to take this uh, uh, normal application of that, you know, he was coming down and he was going to stay at his house, that's literal. But the spiritual implication is that, you know what, I'm going to, you know, come down out of my tree. I'm going to connect with Jesus and he's going to stay with me. And this is the reality of him dwelling, you know, inside a, a residence, right? And when you see this analogy of Jesus stepping inside of a house and uh, staying there, 
uh, we get a vision of what really God wants to begin to accomplish in our life. So step one was uh, that that Zacchaeus sought Jesus. Uh, step two was that he allowed uh, uh, him to enter into his home that he was able to abide there. He was able to stay there. He was able to visit. Uh, this symbolizes a very sense of welcomeness that you, Jesus, are welcome inside of my home. Now, this reality is so important because we have to say, you know, we look at our marriage and say, you, Jesus, are welcome inside of my marriage. That you, Jesus, are welcome inside of my parenting paradigm. That you, Jesus, are welcome, you know, inside of my my health, inside of my body, inside of my mindset, inside of uh, the church. That you are welcome. Because the reality is, is that during this, um, you know, there is a spiritual implication at the end times that Jesus is knocking, trying to get in. And that is that he he desires to stay and abide, but he remains on the outside, uh, knocking and requesting entrance. And of course, uh, we have the decision whether or not to to allow this. Now, I want you to think about this in in, in far as your real reality of of being a man. That this is the reality and the limitations that God has decided to place himself in. Now, he is sovereign in every way that you can imagine and that he can He can control anything he wants to at any point in time. He could stop time right now and I could just pause if he so chose to do so. But in somehow, he has limited himself in the sense of free will of man and, and, and the agency of man that he would be perceived as knocking on the outside requesting entrance. Now, sovereignly, he can kick down the door and he can walk in at any moment. But for some reason, uh, I think for, even, for us to even exist as humans, he had to uh, limit himself in some capacity, uh, decide to do so, uh, to even allow our existence to, uh, to even be maintained. So I say all that to say this, is that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. And this idea of receiving, as I talked about in previous episodes, is this idea of a, of a container and a receptacle, uh, uh, much like, uh, you know, what we put our food in or a, a container or a cup, this, that, and the other thing. So the idea of receiving joyfully is allowing something to fill the container, to fill the receptacle. And we, when we understand that, we, we, we thoroughly grasp what God wants to accomplish in our life, that he wants to, you know, create this desire in us in a strong fashion that we begin to set out and that we begin to pursue him. And he begins to uh, abide and to stay within us. But we are much like the receptacle and the container that becomes inhabited by the spirit of God himself. So in all of this, what is our responsibility? Are we going to allow uh, or permit God to enter? Are we going to allow him to live, dwell, and remain? Are we going to welcome him? Are we going to greet him? And the bottom line is, is are we going to be hospitable, <laughs> right? And that is, are we going to create an environment where he is comfortable, 
And this is where really um, holiness and uh, uh, good conduct comes into play because we have this new heart with these new desires and we have this, this new house guest, if you will. Uh, that has come to inhabit and has come to live, you know, inside of us. And are we going to yield to that process of creating an environment that is really conducive to our house guest, right? Uh, which is more than a house guest because he has decided to live, right? And so that is a awesome reality. So what we see here is the 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 Pharisees uh, or the religious mindset of you know why would he um, why would he even enter this man's home? And I talked to you about this in previous episodes that the the Pharisees were were separatist, and that is to, they thought to remain pure, they were to uh, keep themselves out of company of people that were classified as sinners in any way or fashion that they wouldn't uh, um, uh, be friends with them. They wouldn't greet them. They wouldn't be in any way hospitable or connect or have a relationship with them. Now, Jesus breaks this uh, mindset and has, and goes into the house of a, uh, of a sinner who is despised. So that being said, um, Zacchaeus goes into this mindset of, you know what? I think he heard the criticism. I, he heard the judgments. He felt the tension in the room. Um, but it was his moment to respond to God in a great fashion. And he said, you know what? If I have, uh, I'm going to give half my money. So first, whatever he owns, cut it in half right now. I'm going to give it to the poor. So half his money to the poor. And then he says, whatever I have left... If I have wronged anybody, if I've taken anything by dishonest gain, I will repay you fourfold. That means if I stole from you a thousand dollars, I'm going to give you back four thousand. So like the reality is, so he gave half his money away already. And then now he has another half that he's going to begin to make restitution. And it's important in recovery that we understand and grasp resti uh, restitution. And that is that we're going to make something good. We're going to make something right. You know, in the in law, it is it is giving the equivalent uh, of something back to satisfy an injury, right? So something uh, 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 crazy happened, like slandering somebody's character. It caused them a lot of, a lot of pain. They lost their job, and all of this was due to a dishonest uh, statement, you know, to people. Uh, which has happened very recently, and they suffer in a great fashion. Now, restitution is making things right, and that is somehow putting a monetary value upon that and say, what have they really lost? You know, the job, the trauma, the the uh, the hate mail, people, um, you know, threaten to kill you. What have they really lost? And putting a a monetary figure on that so they can restore the person and give some sort of restitution. Now, when it comes to the addict, <laughs> we got a lot of restitution to make. And what bugs me the most is the message of the cross that says, you know what, God has forgiven you. Uh, therefore, you, you can now forget. And uh, instead of leading men to restitution... Uh, we lead men to great injustices because they have uh, some wrongs that they need to make right. 
and how this played out for me in um, AA was, um, you know, I went to a 12-step program uh, as a teenager, and I had uh, a lot of stuff that I was working through. Uh, but one of them was um, robbing my grandmother of old memorabilia. I mean, she had um, all kinds of stuff from living in, in Germany and uh, had all kinds of things that were really, really um, worth a lot of money. And so in my drug addiction, which was methamphetamines, I, uh, I broke in there and I um, got somebody who was over 18 and we went to the pawn shop and we got money and we bought a lot of drugs. And so, you know, when you, different scenarios that happen, you know, inside of your addiction where you cause a lot of pain, right? Now, my, my grandmother died when I was uh, uh, 14. So as far as making any restitution, it's, it just really wasn't a reality. And so the sponsor goes, you know what? Tell me how much money you got from, from these items. And I told him such and such. And he goes, work, save up and donate it to a charity. Now, you say that, oh, that's making some sort of penance. That's like uh, uh, doing something to kind of earn your salvation. Once again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about making things right and beginning on the path to restitution. Now, there's many people that have done, you know, uh, serious, serious crimes against humanity, and they come to Christ and they think that they shouldn't turn themselves in, or they should uh, go ahead and live their lives in, you know, some amazing, peaceful fashion, when maybe they have raped somebody, maybe they have murdered somebody, maybe there is some things that they need to face, and that they need to be honest about, and they need to face the music. And this is what restitution is all about. That is that if you have uh, done a wrong, uh, that somehow you need to, to come to terms with the wrong that you have done and begin to make it right. And we don't really see that in the gospel message anymore. <laughs> you know, we see God forgives everything, which he does. Uh, forgiven, wiped clean, slate, uh, as, far, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I've removed your sins from me and, and all of these different things, but we don't understand our responsibility towards man. And so in this message, if you've uh, experienced this, there, um, you've been in addiction for a while, there is... Um, there's restitution to be made. There are things that, uh, conversations that need to be had. There are certain things that, uh, that come into play that, that need to happen uh, to produce some sort of uh, restitution to make things right. Uh, second is that he recompense, and that is that uh, he would return uh, or compensate for the suffering that has taken place. And the last one is repentance. And so he changed his mind. In regards to his previous behavior. And he did that because of what he experienced with Jesus. Uh, the reality of uh, being forgiven. The, the reality of being accepted. The reality of him coming and dwelling inside of his house. All of those realities produce this, this positive change. And it's the same thing inside of us. And what we do, what we do oftentimes is we try to change without having those realities. And that is, you know what, God, just consume my heart with a desire and a passion for you. That that love uh, for you will consume my love for other things. Now, addiction is always a question of allegiance. 
And that is that we as fallen men love sin. And if you say that you don't love sin, you're a liar, right? You may hate some of the consequences or some of the bad results that the sin gets you. But in reality, sin is pleasurable. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. And so looking at the reality is that I, I, I am a man, I'm subject to frailty, and the bottom line is, is that there are certain sins that I love, I love. They make me feel good, they make me feel numb, they make me escape, they make me this, that, and the other thing. I love these things, right? Now, it's only a greater love that's going to, to combat the reality of those things. And so having a desire and a passion for God, connecting, allow him to come to your house, communion, all of these different things are what produce the radical change because we begin to have a greater love. And that is, you know what? I may love the pleasure of sin, but I love something more, something far more right now. And so getting in touch with your why, like why does your family exist? What are you pursuing? What uh, what kind of future? And all of this, that, and the other thing. When we get those concrete, we begin to have a greater love and a greater passion for something else. And when that begins to happen, the addictions begin to fall on the wayside because we have a greater love and a greater passion that's operating inside of our hearts. So this is what produced the, the radical change inside of Zacchaeus. And it got this, um, this reality of Jesus saying, you know what? Salvation, salvation has come to this house. And that is the, the idea of your soul uh, being safe, that it, it has went through a process of, uh, of injury, harm, and loss, right? Uh, that uh, it is somehow uh, marred and tattered in some way, but that is brought over to out of the chaos, out of the pain, out of this, that, and the other thing, and it's coming to the realm of safety. That same thing with this heart analogy is the uh, the analogy of deliverance. That is that you are are, are taking somebody out of a, a a terrible state and bringing them into another state. And the state is one of slavery. It's one of bondage. It's one of pain. It's one of heartache. And the salvation is the liberation and the rescuing of that person from, from that uh, scenario. And lastly, it is coming to a place of health and wholeness. And that first uh, starts inside of our heart. And to be the very identity, or I'm sorry, the very core word of this word, uh, health is, is something that is thriving and doing well. This is where we get the word well-being from. So it's, it is a being that is well, and a being that is thriving, a being that has been liberated, a, a, a being that has uh, uh, come from a chaotic environment into a safe and well space. And this is really, really a powerful analogy of what uh, salvation truly is. Lastly, Jesus says this. Uh, he gives this awesome uh, pat on the back of Zacchaeus and sets him up as a model and an example to the radical change that needs to take place inside of uh, people. And he identifies him as a son of Abraham. And then he says, he, he ties all this up to this awesome reality and the very purpose of his being and the reason why he would even step foot in that house at that moment. And that is this, that 
he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so not only, you know, we look at this and say, you know what, Zacchaeus was uh, pursuing him. But the reality is, is that Zacchaeus had a divine appointment, right? He had a moment of time where his he was going to intersect with the Son of God, and that actually the Son of God was seeking out him and desired him. And that's why he told him to get out of the tree, come down, because I'm staying at your house. And so the reality is, is this, is that, you know, we come to him, we pursue him, and he tells us metaphorically, come down out of the tree, come down, and tonight I'm staying at your house. And that is the awesome reality that should be welcome, that should be invited. Mm. That is all I have for you today. I want you to take these examples and to begin to look at them and say, you know what? I want these powerful realities to take place inside of my life. <laughs> <laughs>